All right, what's up? How's everybody doing today? All right, good, good. Glad you are here. We're going to jump into uh, the book of Galatians in just a little bit. So if you've got your Bibles uh, with you, you can turn to the New Testament. That's where all these messages this month are coming out of the New Testament. And so uh, you can look at that's the second part of your Bible if you're uh, new to reading the Bible and find the book of Galatians. And it's okay to use your table of contents. No one's going to think that you're uh, like a Bible idiot or anything. Galatians is kind of a small book, so look it up in the table of contents and go ahead and find Galatians. And we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6 in just a second. Uh, Before we do that, let me let you know of a couple things that are going on. First of all, um, one of the things that we, uh, we do here at Freedom is uh, and we don't have members, we have partners. And you're thinking, all right, Cliff, what does that really mean? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's when you decide that this is your church, you want to be a part of this church, you believe in the mission of this church, and instead of being a member where membership implies that you're going to get a bunch of stuff for being a member, it's like the privilege of being a member. Instead, being a partner is you say, I believe in what this church is doing. This is going to be my home church, and I'm going to partner up with this church, and we're going to try to, to, uh, do, to live out the mission of God together in this community. And so we're going to have partnership class coming up on uh, February 12th. And so if you are interested in being a partner with this church and what that means and what this church is all about, uh, you can sign up and come to partnership class on February 12th. That's a couple of weeks away. And uh, you can sign up online for that on our website, uh, or you can sign up in the atrium. We've got a couple of different sign-ups going on out there, and you're welcome to sign up out there in the atrium. And, uh, and so if you've got questions about should I even come to partnership class if, I, if I'm sure I don't want to be a partner or don't know or whatever, it's for anyone who has questions. So at the end of the, at the, end of the class, you will have an opportunity to, to sign a covenant and say that you're partnering with Freedom, but if you don't want to do that that day, we still love to have you and smile at you when you come in and greet you the same way as we did before you uh, came to partnership class. So that's the 12th. I want you to know about that. And also, one other thing, and, and a lot of you have already signed up for life groups, today is the last day to sign up for, no, next week, my bad, my bad, I'm a week ahead. Next week is the last Sunday. Just go ahead and act like it's today and get your name on the list before it's gone. And you do need to know there's a couple of groups that are about to be closed down uh, because they're already pretty much full. So in some ways, today is the last day for those groups. So uh, be sure that you sign up for a life group by next Sunday and that you can be involved in that. We talk about that all the time. I won't spend a lot of time right now, but life groups is good stuff. It's a a good way to get to know folks, be connected with people here at at Freedom, and and that's just a a really good deal, way to study the Bible together with other folks. All right, we're uh, going to jump into what we're talking about today. And and, um, I tell you what, before we do that, though, I just, the, the song that we sang a while ago, um, your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Is there anybody other than me that is really, really glad that that song is true? Um, I hope, one of the things, you know, we come here from all different places in this community. And some of you showed up today because you think you're, you got all your junk together, you know? And you want everybody to see how together you are. And then... Most of you showed up here today knowing you don't have all your stuff together and hoping nobody finds out about how much of a disarray your life is really in. And I want you to know that whether you think you got it together or you know you don't have it all together, that the love of Jesus is for everybody. And it never, ever runs out. And I'm so thankful for that in my life, and I hope you are thankful for that in your life. So, so uh, we're going to talk about some of that stuff today. Um, you know, in life... Uh, 
all of us live our life by certain principles. And we've, we've just had a, this whole, you know, couple weeks here of, of uh, <clears throat> every presidential or hopeful, you know, Republican presidential candidate being in our state. And, and there's been a lot of talk about the different principles that America should live by and that kind of stuff. And we live by principles in our life, whether you realize it or not. We all have certain principles that we live by. I, I know that I have certain principles I try to live by in my life. Uh, you know, one of them is... Um, Donnie kind of talked about this earlier. I have a principle that I try to live by in my life is where I don't want to have any debt, um, and, and so and especially no credit card debt. And so we try to live by that, my wife and I do, and, and, uh, and that's one of the principles we live by. Um, I, I did youth ministry for a long time before we started this church, and one of the principles I, I tried to live by when I was doing youth ministry is that no other kids were going to be more important to me than my kids. Uh, so, you know, I, I had kids that I needed to spend time and do stuff with, but I wasn't going to do that at the expense of my own two daughters, and so I tried to live by that principle. Another principle I live by is if anybody comes up to me and holds something up and says, smell this, I don't smell it. That's just, that's just a, you know, maybe that's more of a policy than a principle, but I, I, I've been burned by that too many times that I'm not going to do that. And if you want to know the story about how I came to that decision in the fifth grade, I'll tell you, but that'll have to be private, but um. So, you know, but we all have these principles that we live by. And, and, uh, and one of the things here at Freedom, uh, we, we think the Bible is really important. In fact, we think the Bible is the Word of God, just like it says. Uh, in fact, we believe every single word in the Bible to be true. And so we do crazy things here like challenge everybody in the church to read through the whole New Testament in 30 days because we think the Bible is so important. And here's the great thing about the Bible. The Bible is full of principles. It's full of principles that you can live your life by. And since we believe the, the words of the Bible to be absolutely 100% true, then we also believe that the principles that are listed in the Bible, that if you live your life by those principles, you can expect to have a better life than you would if you ignore the principles that are written in the Bible. So, for instance, when you read the Bible and, and you see that there's a principle in there about children needing discipline or, or there's a principle in there uh, about um, forgiving, if you forgive other people, that that's good for your heart and your soul. If you live by those things, you can expect to have a happier, fuller, more complete life if you live by the principles that are listed in Scripture. Well, today we want to talk about one of those principles in particular, and I call it the powerful principle. And uh, because all the principles in the Bible are powerful, but this one has, seems to have so much power behind it. And it's a principle that, that I, would, I would venture to say that even if you're here today and you've never read the Bible before, or you're really not familiar with church, you've heard this principle before, and you maybe, maybe you didn't even realize that it was in the Bible when you've heard it, but it is. It comes straight from Scripture. And so if you've got your Bibles, open to the book of Galatians chapter 6. Hopefully you already found it a while ago. Galatians chapter 6, and, and it's going to be on the screen if you didn't bring your Bible. And I'm going to read two verses in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. This is, a, a, this is a book that was written by a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul. And this is what the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. It says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature... From that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. The powerful principle we're talking about today is that a man reaps 
what he sows. And like I said before, you're familiar with that. And even if you're not familiar with it in those term, terms, you've probably heard it put in other terms. Uh, something like, uh, you know, I had a buddy of mine used to say, hey, you play with fire, you get burned. You lie with dogs, you get fleas. You act like a fool, you get treated like a fool. That's from Hoss Brown right there. But that's the same thing. It's the powerful principle that, that, that consequences have actions. And if, and if you, uh, excuse me, actions have consequences. I totally reverse that. My dyslexia was kicking in right there. Actions have consequences. And so, so the thing is, if, if you live your life a certain way and, and, you, and you participate in sinful things, then you can be guaranteed that at some point you're going to reap destruction for that, either in this life and definitely in the life to come. If you live your life by the principles of, of Jesus, you can be guaranteed that you're going to reap good things from that, some in this life and definitely in the next life to come. And so the powerful principle is, is that consequences have actions. A man reaps what he sows. And the thing about this, this principle is that we tend to always, or I don't know if always, but, but a lot of times we view this as a negative thing. We look at the judgment side of it more than the good side of it. Because it, it does say there, hey, you, you, you sow sin, you're going to reap destruction. And we kind of use that to, to people that are living stupid lives. We kind of use that, hey, you got it coming to you, man. Just keep living like that and wait and see what's going to happen. But what we need to understand is that it's not, that, that the principle is not just about the bad stuff. It's also about the good stuff. The principle of sowing and reaping isn't all negative. The principle of sowing and reaping isn't all negative. Now, the first part of it, in, in verse 7, when Paul starts off and he says, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows, that seems to be mostly about judgment, doesn't it? He's saying, listen, you can't get away with stuff. If you think you can fool God, you've got to understand that you can't. You can fool your parents, you, you, can fool, uh, you, know, you can fool your boss, you can fool your husband for a while, you can fool your wife for a while, but you cannot fool God. God cannot be mocked. So if you're, if you're going out and living one lifestyle and you think by coming to church on Sunday morning, God's going to totally forget about what you did on Friday night or Saturday night or how you cheated somebody out of money on Thursday afternoon at your business, you're not going to be able to get away with that. God understands what's going on. He cannot be mocked. He knows what's happening. And those who reap, who, who sow sinful will, uh, actions will reap uh, uh, destruction is what the Scripture tells us. And so that's true. But one of the things that, that I want you to understand is that in the context that this, these verses are written in, see Galatians 6, 7, and 8, you can't just pull out those two verses out of the book of Galatians and just pull those two out and ignore everything that came before it and ignore everything that comes after it. The best way to read a book of the Bible is to read the whole book. And that's one of the reasons why I'm excited about us doing this, this New Through 30, challenging you to read the whole New Testament in 30 days. Because you're going to begin to see how all of these things work in the context that they were written in. And the context of Galatians, where this is in the book of Galatians, when you read through it, you will understand that it is a context of encouragement. The Apostle Paul was writing this to people who called themselves Christians to encourage them. See, here, here's the deal. This is what was going on in, in, Galatia, in Galatia at that time. Uh, Paul was a guy that he would go around and he would start these different churches in these different towns. 
So he would start a church like Freedom Fellowship, and it was a radical church, and it wasn't like the other churches that were going on there, and people thought they were crazy and all this kind of stuff. And he'd be there for a while, and then he'd leave, and he'd go, go start another church, and he'd leave a guy behind to be the pastor there, and then he'd go to another place and start a church there. And then he'd go to Philippi and start a church, and he'd go to Colossae and he'd start a church, and all these different places. And while he was gone from these places, he would write letters back to the churches. He would hear about stuff going on. So, so he was in, he, let's say he was in Greer, South Carolina, and he started a church, and, and he left, and I'm the pastor of the church he started. And then, you know, at, after he leaves, we start having all these problems with, with Chris, our worship leader. He's just doing stupid stuff, and I don't know what to do about it, right? So I write, I write Paul a letter. Hey, Chris is an idiot. What do I do about this? Or, by the way, he's not. Chris is awesome. And, uh, and so Paul would get that letter, and then he would write back, oh, yeah, I kind of thought Chris was an idiot when I was there, but uh, you know, I didn't want to tell you. And, uh, and so he'd write back to me, and he'd tell me things that I ought to do to, to deal with this problem. So that's kind of what was going on. Well, while he was gone, Paul discovered that in the church there in Galatia, there were people who they had been Jewish before they accepted Christ, Okay. And, and you know that if, if you've come here much, and we've talked about this a good bit here, that, that folks that were born and raised in the Jewish faith, they, they had this huge law that they tried to, to make sure that they never broke any of these little laws that were, that were written. And it was all kinds of things. It was things about what you ate, and it was all kind of different stuff. And, and so, so what was happening was you had these people that had been raised Jewish. They had accepted Jesus. And they were living for Jesus. And then you had a group of people that came back into the church and said, hey, we know you accepted Jesus, but you still got to do everything the law says. You can't eat, put that ham sandwich down. You can't eat that. And, and you, 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 on Saturday, you can't walk but so many steps. So they, what they were trying to do was they were trying to make these people in the church at Galatia, they were trying to make them keep all of the Jewish laws while at the same time they wanted them to be Christians. And so Paul writes this letter back to the Galatians. And if you read the book of Galatians, the first couple of chapters, you can tell that Paul's ticked off. He's angry. And he says in there things like, you're being foolish. You're being, he even used the term bewitched. You're being fooled by these people. You don't have to keep all of the law anymore. You're supposed to be following Jesus and not keeping all of the law. And then in chapter 5, he gets to Galatians chapter 5, and he says, listen, it's not about living by the law. It's about living by the Spirit of God. And so he has this whole thing about what it means to live by the Spirit. And then at the end of chapter 5, he has this whole list at the end of chapter 5 of the way your life should look, of the qualities that you should have in your life if you're living by the Spirit. You know them as, and I know them as, the fruits of the Spirit. And so he has this list and he says, listen, if you're living by the Spirit, these are the things that should be in your life. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And he has this whole list of the things that what you're, what should be in your life if you're living by the Spirit. And so after he gives this list of things about living by the Spirit, then you get to chapter 6, which is where we are. And the first couple of verses of chapter 6, he begins to talk about that sometimes there are going to be people in the church that are going to live sinful lives, and you need to, instead of just getting rid of them altogether, you need to do things to help them. You need to help them understand where they're wrong. You need to try to build them up and, and get them back on the right path and so that they'll live for Jesus like they should. And then you get to verse 4. And this is how we know that when he talks about 
sowing and reaping later on. This is how we know that he was concentrating on the fact that he wanted them to be encouraged. Look at what he says in Galatians 6, 4 and 5. He says this, Each one, talking about each person, each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. The thing I want you to concentrate on there is verse 4. When he says, without comparing himself to somebody else. Without comparing himself. See, comparison is very dangerous. When we begin to live our lives where we compare ourselves to other people, that's a dangerous place to be. I read an article the other day, just this week, I read an article about how Facebook is creating people, uh, which is creating more unhappiness in our society. They've done studies about this. And people who spend a whole lot of time on Facebook generally are beginning to trend towards being a little bit unhappier than those that aren't. And the reason why is comparison. What's happening is you're on Facebook and you're looking at the pictures of someone else's vacation. And everything about it looks perfect. And oh my goodness, they have the perfect family. And they got to go to Hawaii. I've never gotten to go to Hawaii. They must make a whole lot more money than I do. And and their status updates. Their kids always are making A, B, honor roll. And my kids are failing out of school. And, And so you're looking at all this stuff and you're comparing your life to someone else's life by the stuff they're putting on Facebook. And here's the problem with that. What they're putting on Facebook is all the good stuff. They've got a bunch of garbage in their life. You don't know about it, and you know about all your garbage. And so what happens is, is you begin to compare yourself to someone else, and and you begin to be unhappy for, for no other reason other than the fact that you're comparing yourself. And so what Paul is saying here is that same thing happens spiritually, that we're not supposed to compare ourselves to other people spiritually. We're supposed to compare ourselves to Scripture. We're supposed to compare ourselves to Jesus because what happens is this. Let's say you've got a friend in your life who they claim to be a Christian, but they're just doing all kind of stupid stuff. They, you know, they got a trashy mouth and they're having an affair and they're cheating on their taxes and, you know, they go to church once every six months and all this stuff. And and you compare yourself to them and you think, man, I'm pretty awesome. Jesus is proud to have me on his team compared to that guy. I'm, I'm amazing. Or let's say you've got a friend who just, he's memorized like Romans, the whole book, just for fun. And, and he reads commentaries instead. Of, and he threw his TV out because we don't want trash coming into our house, whatever it might be. And so then you compare yourself to him and you think, man, I'm just, I'm terrible. I, I'm Satan's best friend compared to this guy. And what the scripture, what Paul says here is, listen, don't compare yourselves to these other folks. Compare yourselves to the principles that are in scripture. There's a fancy word that if you, if you read theology books and stuff, there's a fancy word that, that, that is used sometimes for the Bible, and it's canon. Not like a canon that, that, that Jack Sparrow would shoot off at another ship, but it, a canon, but the, the, the word canon means a measuring stick. It was a ruler. And the reason that people called the Scripture canon is because that's what we're supposed to measure up against is we're supposed to measure our lives 
based on Scripture. So instead of me looking at it's one of you and saying, ah, man, I'm not as holy as, as this person. I'm not as holy as Donnie or as holy as Chris or as holy as Jake or whatever. Instead, I should look at the, the Bible and say, hmm, the Scripture says that I'm supposed to forgive those who, who are mean to me. That's, that's what I need to be doing. That's what I have to compare myself against. See, it's uh, kind of like a couple years ago, two Christmases ago, uh, I got my, my favorite Christmas present I've ever been given. Uh, my wife and my daughters gave me a guitar for Christmas. Uh, or if you're from Greer, a guitar. And so, uh, I'm just kidding. I say guitar too and I'm not uh, messing around. So I got this guitar, guitar, and, uh, and, and it's an acoustic guitar. And, and here's the thing. I didn't know anything about playing the guitar. And I knew that I liked it, and I knew that I loved music, and I knew that I liked to sing, and, and I'd always wanted to play the guitar, so they got me one, and so I started messing around on it, and now, two years later, I can play like six chords, and, which allows me to play a bunch of songs that I like to play, and, and when, I go, when I play my guitar, so I go up to the bonus room above our garage all by myself, and I go up there and I play, and I start thinking, man, I'm pretty good on this guitar. I'm going to be trying out for the praise band soon, right? And then Liz, Liz, who played this morning, uh, the beautiful girl that plays that guitar right there, she comes to our house sometimes, and, uh, and she leaves her guitar at home, and she'll say, oh, I'll just play Cliff's guitar. And then I hear her play my guitar. And, and when I compare myself to what a guitar is supposed to sound like, I realize i still got a long way to go yet when I listen to her play it. Because she plays it like it's supposed to be played. And that's the way it is with our lives. When we compare our lives to Scripture, the way, the way our life is supposed to be lived in Scripture, we're all going to realize we've got places we fall short, and that's what our goal should be. Our goal isn't the people around us. The goal is Scripture. So what does this have to do with sowing and reaping? Well, see, here, here's, the, here's the, what was going on in Galatia at the time. Paul was telling these folks, don't compare yourself to the people around you because what was happening was the people in this church that were following Jesus, they were in the minority in their community. People who were following Jesus were, were in the very, they were, they were the tiniest group of people there. The, most of the folks there, they were not following Jesus. They were either Jews or they were pagans. And, and, so, and so what was happening was the folks that were trying to be followers of Christ, that were the members of the, the church at Galatia, while they, they would look around and they would see people they worked with, they'd see people in their neighborhoods and they'd say, man, these people aren't obeying Jesus at all. In fact, they're living in direct contradiction to what the Scripture says and look at their lives. They're, they're successful. They have money. They're the ones that are being elected to, to offices. They're, they're the ones that have all the power. And we're trying to do what Jesus wants us to do. And we don't have anything. And, and we're beaten down. And, and, and we just kind of want to throw in the towel. We're tired of living for Jesus because it's just not doing any good. And so Paul tells them there, listen, don't compare yourselves to them. And do not be deceived. God is not mocked. God knows what's going on, and, and those people are going to get what's coming to them later. You, for your sake, you need to continue to sow good deeds. See, that's the thing that we have to realize when it comes to the powerful principle of sowing and reaping, is that we can only control the sowing. We can only control the sowing. God's the one that controls the reaping. We can only control what we give away and what we give out. 
to further make this point that, that I believe that this is about encouragement. After verses 6 and 7, you get to verse uh, 9 in, in Galatians 6, and it says this, Galatians 6, 9, and 10. Paul says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So when we compare ourselves to what's going on in the world around us, that's when we get discouraged. You think, man, I'm living for Jesus. I'm tithing. Donnie and Cliff, they keep talking about we're supposed to tithe. And so I'm tithing. And I'm giving. In fact, I'm giving more than a tithe. I'm just crazy. I'm giving 11%. I'm just wild, just wacko with this giving. And so, so I'm, I've just gone over the top, man. I'm giving 11% to the church. And my next door neighbor, he doesn't give a dime to the church, and he just bought a new Mercedes. And I've always liked Mercedes, God. And so you get discouraged when you start to look at that stuff. And so Paul says, listen, don't grow weary in doing good. At the proper time, you're going to reap a harvest. Continue to sow good deeds. Continue to follow and, 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 and obey the principles of Scripture. And, and don't, don't, don't start comparing yourself to other folks. And you don't have any results. You're planting these good deeds and you're doing this stuff. You're, you're being nice to someone. You're showing forgiveness and they still are treating you like garbage. And, and you think, man, this is just isn't doing any good. And, and there's no results and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Just remember, the results are not what you control. What you control is the sowing. That's all you can control. The results are up to God. And here's the deal. God handles the results, and we've got to trust Him to handle the results. And we demonstrate how much we trust Him by continuing to do good. We demonstrate how much we trust Him by continuing to do good. If you, if you want to show God how much you trust Him, then you keep praying about something when, when you feel like there's not an answer. If you, wanna, if you want to, to show God how much you trust Him, then you keep giving when it seems like that all that's happening when you give is you just have more bad things happening to you and another cavity that's got to be filled and another broken arm that's got to be taken care of and you don't have health insurance. But if you want to demonstrate to God how much you trust Him, you keep obeying the principles of Scripture. You keep doing good. You keep sowing those good deeds. Because it, as verse 9 says there, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. See, God sets the time of the harvest. We don't get to set the time of the harvest. He sets it. But we trust Him that it's coming. We trust Him that the harvest is coming. When um, th There's probably examples of that I, you know, if we had an open mic and I wasn't scared of somebody crazy coming up here and saying something wacko, we would do that. But Because um, some of y'all are crazy and you don't need to be talking into a mic. You know you don't. That's all right. But, uh, but I guarantee you there's examples in this room right now, there's examples where you could stand up and you could say, you know what? I prayed for somebody for 15 years before they accepted Jesus. There's examples in this room where you could stand up and you'd say, I used to not be a part of this church, and I had someone that invited me just about every week, every month for about three years before I ever showed up. And when I showed up, God changed my life. There's examples of that in this room. Uh, one example in my own life that I got to experience, um, back, in, um, back when I was in college, 
summer of 1990, I, I had my first ministry position at a church. And uh, this church that was crazy, they hired me to be the youth minister in the summer of 1990. And the reason I say they were crazy is because I didn't know what in the world I was doing. And, uh, and, and they hired me to be the youth minister that summer, and so I started learning on the job. And, uh, and, and while I was doing that, there was a, a kid in my youth group who at the time was about 14 years old. His name was Adam. And, uh, and Adam just, he seemed to have a lot of potential for stuff. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what someone did for me when I was his age. I'm going to spend some time one-on-one with him studying the Bible. And so, so we started meeting about once a week. And, uh, and I got a couple of Bible studies for him to do, and they were real simple stuff, things about, you know, learning how to pray and learning how to read your Bible and memorizing Scripture and stuff like that. And so I started meeting weekly with Adam, and, and, then, uh, and then the next summer, uh, Sherry and I got married, and, and, uh, and so he would come over to our apartment some, and, and we'd hang out there, and I'd go to his house, and he had like a bunch of little brothers and sisters and stuff, and We'd swim in their pool, and I'd do Bible studies and stuff with him and just kind of spending time trying to help him learn about who Jesus wanted him to be. Well, then at the end of 1991, Sherry and I moved to New Orleans to go to seminary, and this was before texting and email and, you know, Facebook conversations and all that stuff. So at that time, if you wanted to stay in touch with someone, you either had to make a long-distance phone call or write them a letter neither of which me or Adam were going to do. So, so at the end of, so, so you know, I, I told him bye and, you know, and, and I told him to keep doing the stuff that we had talked about. And he was about 15 years old at that time. And, and I left and went to seminary and, and, uh, and then kind of would hear things about him here and there from mutual friends as we would see them sometimes. And then about, um, I guess about three or four years ago, when I got on Facebook and got a Facebook account, thanks to Blake Comer, and uh, I got a Facebook account, and one day I get this Facebook friend request from Adam. And, and so I accepted the friend request, and then he sends me a message. And he said, hey, I don't know if you, you, know, you know this or if you've you know, heard about what's going on in my life, but I just want you to know that, that I'm working with the youth at our church and uh, spending a lot of time with them, and I want you to know that what, the time you spent with me when I was a teenager was real um, you know, uh, influential in that, and that's the reason I want to try to do that for other teenagers. And so it was just, a great, you know, just to get that and to realize that, that that had happened. And so that was really cool. Well, then last year, towards the end of the year, I get another, and so we've kind of stayed in touch, and he's a big wrestling fl- fan, so when it's Ric Flair's birthday, I'll send him a message, say, happy Ric Flair's birthday, and, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and so, so uh, um, y'all don't do that when it's Ric Flair's birthday, by the way, to anybody else? Uh, so anyway, at the end of last year, I get another Facebook message from him, and it was sent to me and a couple other guys, and he said, hey, guys, all of you that are getting this message have been men that have been very influential in my life, and I want you to know that um, we, uh, we, me and my wife have made a decision. We are going to uh, plan a new church, and I'm going to be a pastor of a new church. And we're leaving our church, and we're going to go plant a new church in Hanahan, South Carolina, which is where he grew up, where I grew up, and we're going to try to reach lost people there. I was going to try not to cry when I said this. Here's the cool thing about that. <clears throat> 20 years before, when I was young and just trying to make some type of small impact in in somebody's life, and I was hanging out with Adam and teaching him about how to read the Bible and how to pray, I knew that that was a good thing to do. But I had no idea that I was 
on the front end of what was going to be a 20-year process that God was going to do in his life that was going to end up in one day being a new church started. And I had no idea that that was going on. And it would have been easy for me, and I can remember. I can, I can remember times when, I would, when we'd get together and, and we'd get there and he had not done the stuff that he said he was going to do from the week before. You know, we had, had a chapter to work on in this Bible study and some scripture to read. And we'd get there and he's like, hey man, I've been too busy this week. And I'm like, dude, you're 14, how busy can you be? You know, that kind of a thing. And, and I can remember there were times I was frustrated and I could have just said, man, forget it, Adam. You're not serious about following Jesus, so I'm done with you. But I, I hung in there and I kept working with him and I had no idea where that was going to end up. And I share that story with you not so that you'll think I've done something amazing. I share that story with you for you to understand that there are people in your life that you need to be investing in. There are situations, there are places in your life that you need to be pouring your life into. And it's going to have an impact even if you don't see it today. Even if you don't see it tomorrow. Even if you don't see it next week. It's going to have an impact. Because whatever a man sows, he also reaps. And if a man sows to please the Spirit, then he will reap eternal life. It's a principle from Scripture that we can be guaranteed is true. Keep planting seeds of goodness. Do not grow weary in well-doing. Keep planting seeds of goodness around you in your jobs, in your schools, in your neighborhoods, in your relationships. When, uh, when I was prepping this message... I, was, I got to that point that I just finished, and I thought, okay, that's why, where I will end it. And, uh, and then last night, um, I watched all four speeches of the guys who are running for the Republican nomination in order. I watched um, the first one was, um, who went first? Mitt Romney went first, and then uh, Ron Paul, then Rick Santorum, and then uh, Newt Gingrich went last. And I watched all of those. And, uh, and here's the thing. All of them said stuff that I liked, every single one of them. They, they would say something, I'd be like, yeah, man, that's awesome. I agree with that. And somebody else would say something, yeah, that's awesome. And all that stuff is good. You know, I believe in a free market America. I believe in, you know, hard work. I believe in all those things. But there's nothing that any political candidate, there's nothing that any motivational speaker, there's nothing that Oprah or Ellen or anybody can say that has the power of the words of Scripture. And what you carry with you when you leave this place, as a, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you carry the gospel with you. You carry the good news. And what this world needs is they need us to sow the seeds of the gospel they don't need a political solution and they don't need more money and they don't need a pat on the back and all that stuff. Those are all good things for sometimes. But what this world needs is the gospel. They need the fact that Jesus defeated sin on the cross. He defeated death in the resurrection. And one day he's coming back and he's going to judge the earth and he's going to take those that are his home with him. That's what this world needs. 
So I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up here, and, and we're going to have a closing song. And before you pack up your stuff, I know you're like, oh, sweet, Cliff's done. We're fixing to go to Lorinda's, all right? Before you pack up your stuff, I just want you to think about your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to tell you today, keep planting those seeds. God's going to do good stuff through you. We have an amazing potential in this room to totally change our culture and community. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know today that Jesus is here for you. All you have to do is come to him just the way you came in. Don't have to hide any of your garbage. You don't have to try to get that cleaned up first and just come to him and say, here I am, Jesus, me and all my garbage, and I need to be forgiven of my sin. That's what you need. So I'm going to uh, pray. Everybody bow your heads. Before I, before I pray, if, you, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you've got questions and you want to you accept Christ today, as soon as we're done praying, I want you to come up and I want you to grab me. I want you to grab one of the folks on the stage. Interrupt me if I'm talking to somebody and pull me aside and I want to talk to you about that. And if you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to be looking for folks that don't know him so that you can share Jesus with them. Let's pray. Father God, this life is difficult uh, at times, Lord, and, and the great thing is, is you understand all of that because you lived here. You walked the earth just like we do. You breathed the air that we breathe. You dealt with relationship problems and money problems and all the stuff that, that we have to deal with. You've already experienced it. And so, Lord, we know that, that we have a, have a God that understands us. And so, Father, we, we are so thankful that you give us words like you gave us today that, to encourage us, to let us know that when we seem to be trying to do good and it's not working, that we just need to keep at it. And so, Father, I pray that, that there would be nobody that would leave here today discouraged, but everybody would walk out excited about who you are, and ready to go tomorrow morning to their school, to their jobs, and, and to go out and plant seeds of goodness wherever they go. Father, I pray that, that we would see a transformation in our community, a transformation in our city, based on what you do through the people in this room. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.